Hi, I'm Johnny Varvel, UK's Editor-in-Chief, and I'm delighted to welcome you to the Varvel Football Podcast. This podcast aims to bring you insight, debate, and entertainment from some of the best and brightest young sports journalists from around the world. Please do give us a listen. You've already started, so I'd recommend staying for a little bit longer at least. And if you enjoy what you're hearing, then please do give us a subscribe. And even better, give us a positive review. Positive reviews are a great way to expand our reach. Not only would this mean a lot to me, but it would mean a lot to over 300 writers that write regularly for Varvel UK. We hope to get as many of them on this podcast as we possibly can over the course of the 2021 to 22 season. Anyway, enough of my waffle. Let's get straight into this. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Hello, welcome to March's edition of the Varvel Football Podcast. We're actually recording this one on Mother's Day, although it will go out after Mother's Day. And Harry, I'd, I'd like to say Harry is here. And this is the day where apparently the only way to to credit your mother for being a wonderful mother on Mother's Day is to put a big soppy post on a Facebook timeline, isn't it? I mean, I'm not someone who takes part in the whole like Facebook <laughs> thing because at the end of the day, like unless they see it, there's no point. But uh, I, I, was I did the normal that. thing of wishing me mother happy Mother's Day yeah. in person, which no. people can't grasp. No, it's bizarre. It's bizarre. You're living in the 1970s. You don't do it in person, Harry. You've got to let the whole world know, apparently. That's You've got to do it on different. Snapchat. Because, you know, all mothers on Snapchat. Yeah, well, to be fair, right, I, I, I'm a bit of a sucker, actually. I'm a bit of a sucker when it comes to some friends' birthdays. Sometimes I put a, put a post on and, you know, you got the funny photos when you went on a night out and they're like, when did you take that photo? And it's like, when you were about 15 pints under. But obviously that's not the same with a mother. And I just think, like you say, sometimes they're tagging them in and I'm thinking, they don't even have bloody Facebook. So what are you doing? What are you doing? You do you you're fishing for likes. Oh, this is so sweet. You wouldn't think this is a football podcast, would you? <laughs> no, you wouldn't. But I was just the point that I was making sort of that small talk conversation that I do to get by in the wonderful world that we live in. But yes, I do that with the older people. So they they resonate with me. Then. They're like, oh, back in my day, we didn't have Facebook. Anyway, yes, uh, is a football podcast. It's not a do you post on your mother's timeline podcast. They should do one of those, shouldn't they? They should. Um, but I think it's one of the. It, it feels apt, actually. I felt said, Harry, it felt out March edition this this time. International break, a very subdued atmosphere for an England friendly that was on not on terrestrial television. That's a debate in itself, I suppose. You'd, you would you would assume that it should be on terrestrial television, but hey ho. Um, so it seemed apt to talk about the remainder of the season, particularly the top flight of the Premier League, and it, there's, there's so much really up for grabs and. At both ends of the table, and in many ways, I suppose from a neutral perspective, Harry, the fact that at the, at the top end, you know, if we said right at the start of the year that there would be a title race, you'd go, no, 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 Man City are running away with this. They're doing so, 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 so well. And now look where we are. I mean, everything's still up for grabs. I mean, there's nothing really decided anywhere. I mean, other than, you know, probably Chelsea are like locked in in third. Everything else is, is entirely to play for. And like we said there with the title race, the team we were expecting to challenge Man City this season would have been Chelsea. And it's been Liverpool. I think everyone pretty much had them fourth on their predictions. And for me, I know we'll get on to our predictions. I yeah. think they could be the, the ones to be coming in towards the end of the season. But uh, yeah, I mean, a great advert for the Premier League. that It's still all to play for. 
with just I think about eight or nine games to go. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Adam Doyle actually had Liverpool top, didn't he? Um, he did, he did. Yeah. To be fair, I think he's going to be right. So he's fair play, Adam. Okay, it, it's it, yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting. I mean, you said you said Chelsea third, nailed on for third. It looks like the team really much ahead of the the contingent battling for fourth in terms of consistency, in terms of application. Probably that you, you just get more out of them, but a little bit far away from the top two. Probably, in a way, a little bit disappointed for many disappointing. Sorry for many Chelsea fans that they find themselves in this nether zone. I suppose between being too good for fourth and the, the teams battling for that and then not quite good enough to take on the, the two teams that have really been dominating English football for the past few years. Why is that? Why are they there? A lot of Kaku move didn't work out. I think that's the, the big thing and also injury-wise as well. You know, they've lost Chilwell and James for large parts of the season. I mean, when them two players were on song, they were top of the league. I think they were three or four points clear at one point. So I just think, you know, it's a mixture of injuries. And I think the Lukaku moves has been a big issue. Yes, the goals have dried up. And as well, all the issues off the field with him, you know, coupled now with the crisis that yeah. Chelsea are on the off the pitch, it's really not helping. Look, they're a side that are, a, you know, a staple for Champions League every season. But, mm. you know, to win a Premier League title, you've got to win every single game, it seems now. And Chelsea are not, are not a side that can, that can do that. I mean, I, I, I sort of, when we looked at the start of the season, we praised Chelsea's squad depth. And I think they do have quite a lot of players competing for those 11 positions. But I've said this before, and I do think that when you look at, say, you know, people like combined 11s, don't they, between teams. And if you look at Manchester City, Liverpool and Chelsea, you say, right, let's do a combined 11 out of those three. There's an argument there wouldn't even be a Chelsea player in there. Maybe N'Golo Kante. You know, because of because of what he does, but then someone could raise you a Bernardo Silva, who might play in the eight number eight position if you're going four three three. Of course, he's not a natural lone six. You know, maybe in a double pivot, you probably you probably have Kante in there, of course. But do we think actually that if we boil it down individually, Man City and Liverpool are just far better because on a coach front, they're all very similar in terms of ability, aren't they? It's a fair shout. I mean, maybe you can have an argument for Thiago Silva, but is he better yeah. than Diaz and Van Dijk? Yeah. Maybe Diaz. I, I think I think I'd go Diaz and Van Dijk, to be honest, just because yeah. with Diaz you've got a bit more um a bit I don't know, a, a bit a bit more youthful youthful exuberance, so to speak. There's a bit more in the legs, but and, and also I think it's worth noting as brilliant as Thiago Silva is, he's playing in the centre of back three. The back three usually does help to to reduce the amount of struggle that centre-backs can have because they've got a little bit less responsibility generally when it comes to space in front. But, yeah, argument you could make for Silver, I suppose. I mean, Wackham next to Van Dijk, I'm sure he'd have yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, 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 maybe, yeah, yeah. Maybe Kante is probably the only player yeah. as well you could make an argument for. I think he'd get into Liverpool's team. City, yeah, he'd probably get into, he'd probably get into both teams, to be honest. But that's it. I mean, in terms of going forward, the Liverpool attack... And you know you throw Mares in there, and then defense. I mean Robertson, Cancelo, Trent, all ahead. And in terms of the goalkeepers as well, maybe you can make an argument for Mendy. But Allison this season's been the runaway keeper, hasn't he? And Edison has been for many years, hasn't he? I mean the two yeah. the two Brazilians, as good as Mendy has been. Mendy's probably the third best in the league, to be honest. Behind but, them two, yeah, exactly. And yeah. them two for me are on a different level. 
and that, that's just the way it is. I think we talk about world-class being as a definition. I think you become world-class through consistency. And with Edison and Alisson, you've, had, you've got two of the best keepers around because of the fact that year in, year out, they've delivered in terms of distribution, in terms of shot stopping, in terms of what we expect from a goalkeeper. They've delivered at the highest level at their clubs and they stand a level above, I think. Um, it's... Yeah, I, th- I think that sort of sums up why Chelsea are the way they are. The distractions, maybe the fact individuals aren't quite as good. I mean, just before we move on to the top two, actually, as well, you talked about the the goal-scoring nature of the attackers, particularly the wingers, Mo Salah, Mane, goals for City. You've got you've got Mares, Sterling. You've got, I mean, you've got a goals in abundance in the whole of City's team. It's shared out so evenly, uh, the, the goal-scoring numbers. But at Chelsea, and, and this is no slight on the people up there, but Hakim Ziyech, Mount... Pulisic, they not, they don't get the same number of goals, do they, as some of the others? In, in, and they are often playing in those three forward positions. They're just a level behind, really, yeah. aren't they? Like we've said, I mean, man for man, is Hakim Ziyech better than Luis Diaz? Mane, Firmino, Salah, is he better than Sterling? Is he better than Mares? No, he's not better than any of them. Mm. Like that's that you can say that for every Chelsea forward, just the top top quality players. Mm but you wouldn't have them above any of those City and no. Liverpool players. No, no. Uh, and that's where, that's where I suppose Tuchel's got to look and say, how could he bridge that gap? Could it be done on the training ground? I mean, with Pulisic, you could argue actually injuries have curtailed the, the, the progress that he could have made. He, every time he seems to build some, a, a, a level of confidence, he seems to be knocked back by an injury or, or a problem off the field. Um, so th- maybe there is a bit of unluckiness there, but yeah, you're right. I think, I think it's quite clear the proven nature in attack is not there with Chelsea and that maybe that does hold them back a bit. They do create a lot of chances quite often, but they just can't put them away in those moments. And like you say, Lukaku, £97 million, has not worked. They look better with Havertz and arguably with Armando Broja if they bring him back. It's a lovely pronunciation. Hmm? Broja. 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 Yeah, well... well uh, it's, Spanish. You know, uh, uh, I, you know, I... I uh, yeah, I, I, I know his, I know his parents. Um, that's how they say it. <laughs> that's how they say. It. Um, anyway, yeah, I think it's what it, it's. Yeah, I mean, we talk, we, we talk Chelsea there, top two, level above. You're saying you think Liverpool's going to do it over the two teams. I mean, it does come down to one game fundamentally, doesn't it? And that's the game at the Etihad. Really, if Manchester City win that, I, I do feel like, you know, that that if provided they don't drop points until then, that would be a four-point cushion. It's tough to see them losing it. A draw, still all in, you know, still all to play for. A Liverpool win, and then Liverpool's surely in the ascendancy. So it all rides on that game at the Etihad, doesn't it? No. No? Because I think City are more prone to drop points against teams lower in the table than Liverpool do. Because with, I know City are, you know, they're a remarkable football team. And for me, football alone are the best side in the world mm. but they try to score the perfect goal far too often that's why they drop points against Palace yes they were damn unlucky seen it against you know, Southampton a couple of times this season whereas opposed to Liverpool you know even if they have a bad night they will still find a way to win a game and when you come into these last few parts of the season the only team you see Liverpool dropping points to is City I think they win every other game mm. and even even you know even if they do lose that game I still think you know they're in with a shout yeah I mean it... <laughs> What we would say, though, is that City of the past as well, when the, when this is a very similar, a very similar situation as it's the 1819 season, where Liverpool were trailing City, I think, by a solitary point. 
And they were just waiting for City to mess up. And they kept winning and they kept winning and they kept winning. And both teams kept winning. And then Manchester City won by one point. So that's how tight it was. And you're seeing signs there. Now they are separated by one point. It's all to play for, just like it was a few years ago. And how big is the striker? Cert Hall missing in City's team because obviously they had Aguero, you know that that season where they mm. when they edged it. They've yes, you know the City, you know they can play a false nine. They all chip in with goals. Mm. How much of a problem is that? And do you think that if they are to look back at the season and do finish second, do you think a lot of them will look back and go, if we had Harry Kane or if we got Ronaldo, we would have won that no bother. Well, no, not really. I I just think. Everyone's, it, it's, I mean, when Pep Guardiola said not too long ago, he said, I think they'd beaten, no, it was quite a while ago, it was when they beat Brighton 4 1. And the interviewer asked him, he said, Oh, you don't need a striker, you've won 4 1. And he said, As soon as we drop points, the first question will be, yeah. Do you need a striker? And I don't, I don't think they do. Look, we saw last season how well they did. They were, as I berate on about, if you go back to the early podcast that we've done on this, way back when I said, they were one game away from a treble, and that wasn't down to a striker that they didn't win. The, they didn't win that game. It was down to a bizarre selection from Pep Guardiola, who almost seemed to overthink the final itself, as he has done in in past big games, so to speak, particularly in knockout competitions. So I don't think they necessarily do need a striker. I think it's a bit easy to say that it's it's more of a collective failure. I think when City are on it, and when City and City are usually on it, they find the way to get over the line. Now, I know they drew nil-nil with Palace, but that's a good Palace team, by the way. Let's not, not let's not you know, beat around the bush. They've been doing really well. They just won 4-0 in the FA Cup. Very competitive. They should have beat that Palace team. But, yeah, I don't think it's as a big a hole as people think. I think people automatically jump to that conclusion whenever City don't win a game. Sometimes I think collectively, maybe because they think they're a bit ahead, maybe it, they fall off it slightly. Maybe it's not quite maybe not quite as ruthless or efficient as they should be, but we've seen in the past, we've seen them grind results out when they need to. We've seen them win games, not necessarily in the most convincing way, but they find a way. And now that Liverpool's breathing right down their neck and they're one point behind, I think the mentality really kicks in then and says, right, you know, this is, this is where we are. This is where we're at. We can't slip up now. And just a few years ago, when Liverpool, as I say, were one point behind them, that mentality kicked in. And they didn't, is it they easier to be the hunted, to be the hunter as it is to be hunted? Well, you can see you can see both sides. I think I think it's easier to realise that when the hunt is on, you need to be on it. I think when you're quite a few points ahead and you, you've still got some leeway, you can, the standards can slip ever so slightly, just in, psychologically. I think. Yeah. And and I, and I think now the reality is there are no, there is no opportunity to slip up. But just going back again, going back to that season where the, the similar the situation was so similar, Manchester City didn't work winning games 3-4-0. They were winning games. I remember they came to Turf Moor, didn't play well, and they won 1-0. And it was a really scruffy goal in the box. You know, they, they weren't winning games in the Man City way, but they were doing enough to get through. And I think they'll probably be able to do that again. Or provided they don't lose at the Etihad. If they lose at the Etihad, I think it's Liverpool's. I really do. I think it all rests on that game. If City win, I think it's City's. If it's a draw, then it's going to go right to the, probably the final day. And, you know, I still would back City just. But again, I'd reserve judgment until that game's been played. If Liverpool win, I think Liverpool it's Liverpool's title to lose. 
I think, yeah, I think you're fair enough. I'm just looking at the, the fixtures for City and yeah. potential banana skins other than, you know, the Liverpool game. I think, yeah. you know, no offence to Burnley. I think City probably win that game. But still, you know, it is, you know, we've seen in the past Turf Moat and be a bit of a banana skin and mm. maybe you can snatch a draw out of that mm. basis of that Brentford performance. Probably not. Uh, Brighton at home, you're expecting to win. Same yeah. with Watford, same with Leeds, same with Newcastle. They've got West Ham and then they've got Villa on the final day at home, which yeah. could still be a, a tough game but they'll probably have nothing to play for yeah. so you think if City can get past Liverpool yeah the, the path to the title is very clear I mean you look at Liverpool's yeah. fixtures Watford at home they're going to yeah. win that uh, obviously the, the game against Man City then they've got Man United then they've got the Merseyside derby against Everton then they go to Newcastle oh hard one Spurs, there yeah Spurs Southampton and Wolves so Liverpool do have a tougher run in mm. plus you know still competing in Champions League and FA Cup as well so you've got to say that City are still the favourite, but just something tells me, and there's something magical about the Liverpool team, that they just seem to find ways to win. And how mm. many times I've watched them this season where they, you go, like uh, the Inter Milan game at the San Siro, where Inter were the better side, mm. and Liverpool were 2 up, like mm. two goals in the space of a few minutes, and I was mm. sat there going, how on earth are, yeah. they, are they doing this? And they've done it so many times this season. Yeah, And there's just something uh, I feel that, they're, they're going to get over the line and get this one one. To be fair, what, what gives Liverpool a bit of an advantage now as well is the January recruit recruit the January recruit recruitment. My teeth are nearly falling out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness me! Yeah, so the January recruitment area. Go, we got there That's in the, the end. Lewis Diaz, great, great, great bit of business. Harvey Elliott coming back as well. Um, is a is a really big big boost for them. Uh, but the signing of Diaz gives them an option now to rotate that front three and actually bring one of them off the bench. So they now have four options. Five if we count Firmino, who's not quite what he was. We'll say we'll, we'll, we'll count him as five. And now you can bring, but as, alongside Firmino, you can bring one of Salah, Mane, Diaz, or Jota off the bench if if it needs to be done. And that's a game changer because one thing Manchester City have had over the years is the option to change a game from the bench because they always have one or two players on the bench. You go, how are they on the bench? And they come on if they need to in that particular game. Now Liverpool have that. And uh, and that that will, if it doesn't help, if they don't do it this season, I probably would back them to do it next season, provided they can keep hold of that depth and they maybe don't lose a Mane because they want to sell him, for example. Because but he, if City get Haaland, it's game over for me. Well, well, yeah. I mean, in t- yeah, maybe. In terms of this... It's nah, all up in the air, though, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. But another thought I've just had there as well is we were yeah. talking about, you know, maybe Liverpool having an edge yeah. in terms of the squad rotation of their front three. Mm. If you look at the pound for pound best two players in this league, De Bruyne yeah. and Salah, yeah. who stays fit all season? Salah, you know he's going to play every single game. Yeah. You can't say that about De Bruyne. No, but Manchester City won the title in 1819 predominantly without Kevin De Bruyne, who was injured for most of it. Who stepped yeah, in? Bernard, Bernardo Silva was the player of the season that season. Yeah. He was fantastic. Who's been City's player of the season this season? Bernardo Silva. So I don't think it's necessarily to as much as Kevin De Bruyne is a fantastic player. Who does make the key difference in certain games, particularly the big games like the Chelsea game at the Etihad. Bernardo Silva's so so close in many many ways. He controls the midfield, runs the midfield, and he wants to be the main man. And when De Bruyne doesn't play, you can see that level rise even more. And I think now City are starting to play him and De Bruyne as number eight. And that makes sense. Bernardo Silva's never a right winger, really. He gets too isolated out there. He just comes in on his left foot a lot of the time. But when he's in the centre of the pitch, in an eight position with De Bruyne, I mean, arguably, that's what I mean. We're talking about with Kante getting to City's team. Well, he wouldn't be a lone six. 
because he, he can't do the lone six. He has to be a pivot. And if it's in a 4-3-3, you'd argue you'd pick Bernardo and De Bruyne, to be honest, because they're fantastic, fantastic number eights. Um, so, yeah, even if De Bruyne doesn't play, Bernardo Silva playing in that position, they won't be worried. You can bring Gundogan in, Foden in, uh, Rodri just behind, of course. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think that's too much of a problem. Whereas if Liverpool, But then again, now, look, if Liverpool lost Salah, Diaz, Mane and, 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 uh, and Jota, it's not bad, is it? Both have got yeah. some. I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, we can't call this. It can go either way. It's 50 50. You think you're And, and also, a lot of it's going to come down to. Yeah, I mean, I, yes. I, and I, I imagine I'm City. Yeah. But anything can happen, though. I mean, look, if Salah gets injured next week, mm. we're probably all going back. You know, City's Van Dyke gets injured, you go in cities. If Bernardo Silva gets injured, you know, anything can happen in these last few games. It's really, really hard to call. But yeah. It's two, two fantastic football teams, and we've, we've got the pleasure as neutrals of yeah. watching this great battle. You know, go hopefully all the way to the final day. Well, yeah, you said you said if Salah gets injured, you do have a bit of the kiss of death. You were praising Marcelo Bielsa, you know, until the cows come home, and then he was, and then he's, he was gone. He was gone the week you're after. Prison your mate Ralph Randick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, I did, poor Ralph, leave him alone. I did. I had Rogers fifth anyway, but yeah, I think I think he's <laughs> he's undertook a very challenging job. Let's just say that. But uh, top four, then. I mean, this one's different, isn't it? Because unlike. The battle for the top. There's a lot of room for error here, or there has been all season anyway. I suppose maybe there's not. Maybe I'm phrasing that wrong because obviously the idea is for them to win all the games. But I guarantee there will be games where you think, "Oh, Arsenal, Tottenham, they'll win that," and they don't because that's the nature of the top four battle this season. The top two are very, very consistent. Chelsea are pretty consistent as well, and then everyone going for fourth. Really, there's, there's flaws. There's obvious flaws, isn't there, with every team that wants to get that fourth place. Yeah, I mean, you can't really get disheartened if you lose a game when you're in that battle. It's not like the, like you said with the top two where you lose a game, you feel like your season's over. Look, these teams are going to slip up. But for me, I think there's just a real good feel-good factor about Arsenal. Yeah, It's probably one of the only predictions I've got right at the start of the season. I actually had Arsenal fifth. I had yeah. a feeling that, you know... no, well, you not, well, you're not got it right then, have you? So. Well, everyone else had the mid-table, so I think of them pretty well on that. I had them fifth, um, I think, to did you have them foot? Yeah, 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 the yeah, Oracle yeah. of football himself. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, don't, uh, don't check that. Don't check that. Just take my word for I'm, it. I'm yeah. definitely checking yeah. that. Yeah. 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 But yeah, yeah, feel good factor about Arsenal's back. Yeah. Great little young team they've got going on and just seem to have more momentum than everybody else. Spurs are in disarray every other week. Yeah. Same with Man United. Arsenal probably the only side who have somewhat consistent and, and have that mm. you know that buffer over the teams behind them with a game in hand. So I think, barring a capitulation, you, you'd fancy Arsenal to, to get themselves back in the Champions League this season. Yeah, oh, Arsenal have a game in hand. Their game in hand is against Chelsea. They also have to play Tottenham at, at, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium as well. In my head, I think they lose both of those games. I do. Not because for me. No, no, not for you. No, so, not for me. I think they I think they beat Spurs. I think they draw with Chelsea. You think they beat Spurs at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium? Yes, I think they do. Okay, I, I disagree. I think... Just because it's, it's Conte, isn't it? You're like, yeah, Conte's got this in the bag. <laughs> the derby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I do. I, do. I, I think there is a bit of still... I said this with Arsenal. You, you sort of see it in, in, in phases over the season. You saw it a lot, certainly a lot more last season. but And they have improved this season. But there is a, there's a collective naivety still there's a collective learning on the job feel across the board manager director of football infrastructure that's in place at the moment the players are all very very young like you said there is a great feel-good factor great work ethic but there is still a bit of a naivety there's a lot a lot of a lack of experience 
across the board. Do you not think that helps though that they kind of like they don't have the experience and maybe that is something that's setting them apart from the likes of Man United where it's so pressurised every single mm. week to perform. Yeah. Arsenal can essentially play with no fear and look, if they do finish fifth this season and miss out, yes, it'll be a disappointment but you look back at the season, look where from the, where they've come from last season and go, look, it's been a pretty good year for us regardless. Yeah, well, Piers Morgan doesn't think that. He thinks uh, he, keeps he thinks he should be winning the league. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's tweeting how Bamiyang needs to come back and they need to sack Arteta and replace him with Tuchel, which is, a, which is bold, I think. Um, yeah. to say the least I'm not a big fan of those tweets to be fair he's also also he's doing that and then he's tweeting that he seems to want World War 3 to happen as well so it's like an alternating uh, discourse from the big man um, but yeah on, on, on Arsenal you can't yeah. be slagging him off you, you know you, you're colleagues with him aren't you <laughs> No, no, no. We'll pass no, off. No. We'll, we'll move pass, on. We'll pass, we'll pass, we'll pass. I do follow him on Twitter though. So, uh, hello, Piers, if you are listening, I very much doubt it, but never mind. Um, yeah, I think it's. Listen, I think Arsenal will get fourth too. What I'm saying is in those big games, those crunch games, those two, you know, huge games, Tottenham's got quite a bit of experience. They've got a, an outstanding coach. Obviously, Chelsea are Chelsea as well. They're very good at Stamford Bridge. I think they could lose both of those games, but I still think they will get fourth. I think. Ultimately, when it boils down to it, there is a collective balance at Arsenal. It's not perfect, but it is young. And like you said, there's a good energy. There's good vibes across it, across the board. And I think they'll win the games against the smaller teams, which are the which are predominantly who they're playing uh, until the end of the season. Whereas Tottenham, I still think there is a bit of a question mark whether they can do, win all of those games against the maybe deep blocks um, that they have to do. I think, I think they will beat Arsenal. I think that will give them a confidence boost. But I do think when it comes to breaking teams down, whether they can do it consistently until the end of the season, uh, they also actually have to go to, to Anfield and that will be a very tough game because Liverpool will be in the title hunt. Arsenal don't do that. They've, they've, uh, they've, they've played Liverpool already. I mean, it's a good point you made there about Arsenal and they've they've beat the teams below them. Yes. They've faulted against the teams above them. I don't yes. think they've won like, barely any against the, the top four, but below them. They're yeah. winning every match and look, yeah. they all add up as opposed to Spurs where, you know, losing to Burnley and then beating yeah. Man City the week after. That's yeah. just Spurs in a nutshell for you. Yeah, I mean, Ben Tanko's come in and he looks a really good player. Yeah. And Kulosevsky, to be fair. Yeah, Kulosevsky even more so. Uh, Kulosevsky's been brilliant because he's actually benched Lucas Moura, who was doing quite well. But he's, he's done really, really well. He's Him, Son and Kane are probably going to be the front three next season. I can't see them getting better than that. And Conte seems to really like the impact that he's made. But Ben Tancor as well in that double pivot does actually help them against deep blocks a bit because before when they had Hoiberg and then Winks or Skip, it was a little bit ponderous trying to break down and, and play incisive passes forward. But with Ben Tancor, you can see his, his, his first thought is, can I get the ball forward? Can I break through a line? And that's an improvement already on what they had pre-Ben Tancor where it was a, where it's more slow and ponderous. However, like, like we said, I do think that it might just be a bit too much this season. When you see the momentum and the feel-good factor that's going on at Arsenal, the, the fixtures that do look a little bit easier, I think, on paper than, than, than Spurs, I think that's why that's why I'm pushing for them, really, uh, over Tottenham. That's why I think they're going to do it. They do play Man United, but you know Man United aren't quite doing what they're doing. The game in hand, as I say, is against Chelsea. They do play Tottenham, but outside of that, uh, Everton, Newcastle, West Ham, Leeds, Southampton, Brighton, Palace, and as I said, the they win. Liverpool have still got to go to Am. Uh, 
Liverpool do. Liverpool have to go to. They have to go to Anfield <laughs> a few times. Yeah. To but Tottenham, <laughs> Tottenham still have to go to Anfield on the penultimate game of the season, and that that's a game where you think, oh, you know, if they need to win that, can they, can they do it? It'd be very very tough ask, very tough ask. But I think it will get that will that one. I also do think will go down to the wire because Conte is a world class coach. They have a world class. They have two world class players in attack, a mixed bag behind them, but they still have the ability to challenge right down to the wire. And if Arsenal do fall off it a bit and do wobble, I do think Spurs can catch them and take fourth. I, don't, I think it is very close, very close. A little bit like the battle for the title, but I think both teams will drop more points, obviously. Uh, but I, I still think it's between these two. Man United, yeah, I, I don't Yeah, shoot think... one for sixth, I think. Yeah. yeah I, I, you, you joked about the Ranjik thing and, and fair. I think it's a, it's a very, I mean... If you talk about disturbances and things that go on off the field, it's a it's I said before it was like a circus. As much as I liked Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer for reasons I mentioned on pretty much well, quite a lot of other podcasts, it was a circus. And when he and when Ralph Ranjit came in, he had players that were used to, according to many reports, if they felt a bit of a twinge, they wouldn't play through it, they'd, they'd take extended time off because that's what Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer did in, in in contrast to Jose Mourinho, who'd make them play through often make players play when they were actually injured in a hardline managerial approach. Solskjaer would be like daddy daycare camp, but he'd just let them, you know, do, do what they wanted and, and keep to keep everyone happy. There's only so far that I can go. Of course. I actually think Ranić taking over at this point. Uh, I, I think it's probably the hardest. If this is the, if this process of high press gag and press or, or modern day philosophy, this, this mold continues for the years to come. Which it seems to be, which it seems like the owners want with apparently Eric Ten Hag, one of the primary targets or main targets. Is that an exclusive? Uh, <laughs> I, I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't go. Do you that have a far. source? A, a, <laughs> unnamed source, <laughs> unnamed, uh, and we, we we don't name our sources. We don't reveal what our sources say. <laughs> that's my that's my exclusive. It's the hardest job that anyone will take post Solskjaer in the in in the coming years what Ranić's doing right now, if they are going to implement and go with this philosophy, because it's always the hardest thing, the first six, seven months or first season even, to completely overhaul what was left before yeah. and to put the put the put the um the foundations down. It's really, really hard. To do that mid-season with players with huge egos. I mean, to do that with Ronaldo, who's you know not really a high he's not a system he's not a system manager, a system manager, system player. Uh, Fernandez has been described as uncoachable by some journalists, by my good friend Miguel Delaney. Described him as uncoachable. Um, many players. Don't it's, a, have... it's a tough. It's a tough gig. Like let's be honest with with Ranier. Like I think half the battle is. I mean, that like you said there with the dressing room, there's so many massive characters in there. You know, they've they've faltered under Ollie. We've seen them capitulate multiple times, and this yeah. season it's been far from rosy. I think a lot of that comes down to is they know he's off in the summer anyways and yeah. they're bringing someone else in. The bloke's got no authority. Like, I actually no. do feel bad for him. He yeah. has improved them, yeah. in all fairness. I mean, like the, the game against Spurs when, you know, Ronaldo masterclass. I mean, they did look marginally better. Just They just faltered too much for me. And no, but just to be honest, if, if they get top four, I mean, if they get top four, I mean, fair play to Ralph, but yeah. I don't see it. Yeah, I, mean, just, if, yeah. I was just going to say, just a month ago, Harry, they had the most, uh, chat, they created the most chances of anyone in the league since he'd come in. You know, so it, it, it's not down to a, that. That's due to a system that's been put into play. They're creating a lot of chances. They're not finishing them. You look at Ronaldo. 
you look at Bruno Fernandes, you look at Rashford, Sancho. Sancho's actually come on a lot, really, to be fair, and under Ryan, you can so as Fred. Fred's also done really well in a more advanced position. But yeah, I think I, I, I think there's been so many distractions. I, I just touched on some there, but even obviously we can't touch on it because it's an ongoing legal case, but even losing Mason Greenwood like it happened. You know, he was a young player who had so much potential. And then out of the blue, he, he's gone and he's unlikely to come back into the fold. And you don't get any players in January. And Jesse Lingard stays against his will. So it's not then, a quick fix. Like, no, that's the, the bottom line. Like it's I, what would you even do? I mean, that's such a tough rule. I mean, he's going upstairs. Yeah, it's probably a harder job from next well, season. I, I, I locked lock myself in. I locked myself in the attic. I mean, like <laughs> if I was him, I would just fire sale, get rid of the majority yeah. of them, and build the team around the young lads. But I'd, like, look, there's like some punk bell. Like, what do you do with him? They need to shift. Well, well he, he's out of contract, so he's yeah, probably going to go. But you know he's a talent. I mean, you watch him play for France, and he's like, yeah. we all we're all frightened of him when he's playing for France. But you yeah. see him play for Man United, and it's almost like a bit of a running joke. Yeah, I, I think they need a complete cultural overhaul. And they do, you're right. I think hard decisions. I'd honestly get rid of De Gea, Ronaldo. I think as, as De Gea's probably been the player of the season. But they need to do an Arsenal sort of overhaul, yeah. don't they? Get the young lads yeah. in and sort yeah. of sort of lower the standard of Manchester United, which I know is. You know, they're one of the biggest clubs in the world. They should be fighting yeah. for the title every season. But you've got to kind of lower the standard a little bit and kind yeah. of strip it back and do what Arsenal done and build it from the bottom up. Hey. But do the fans have patience for that, especially with the Glazers as well, where you expect them to be fighting with City every single season, who are spending yeah. ridiculous amount of money, got the best manager in the world. Yeah. It's a, it's tough for Man United. And I think it's going to be a difficult few years. But uh, look, they're going to be nowhere near the top anytime soon. I completely agree with what you just said, though. I think that the, the thing that holds Man United back in terms of building a long-term project is this entitlement. Even from some of the, the ex-players, Paul Scholes, who seems to think every year they should be winning yeah. a major trophy. I'm it's thinking... Like where Man United is. It's like, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like that. there's that meme going around on social media where pundits just say, this is Manchester United. Manchester United. Manchester... And then yeah. th- that's what they say, but there's no substance behind it. Man United haven't been this Man United that's described since Sir Alex Ferguson left. So it... Yeah. it you know, the idea there with Solskjaer was kind of right to build a long-term project. There was just one problem. Solskjaer was just as much as, in, in a way, that his methods were kind of great for the short term. Keep everyone happy. And they have some really talented players there. But that's only going to take you so far when other players are being kept happy and they, they're playing in, you know, really tactically astute uh, philosophies and systems designed by elite coaches. So it was never enough to just keep them happy. And at the end of the day, so to get to that level, like you say, Harry, they have to sort of swallow their pride, accept. But like, I mean, you look at teams over, like, yeah, I mean, look at Liverpool, like, five, six years before Klopp came in, they were yeah. Europa League side. I mean, yeah. Chelsea finished 10th the season before they won the league. I mean, look, every single top elite club goes through bad times. Yeah. It just seems that Man United is going to be a little bit more prolonged, especially with new money in the league and yep. the dominance of City and, and, and Liverpool and that sort of thing. I just think, it, I imagine it's very, very difficult for the fans, especially, you know, with the whole Glazer ownership yep. situation. Yeah. But there's just such a cultural issue with the club yep. and it's not a quick fix. No. On that note, then, West Ham's seventh, I think, is probably probably yeah. at home. I, I would I, have had Wolves, to be honest, mm. until Neves got injured. Yeah. Big it's loss. a massive blow to them, yeah. Yeah. And West Ham have been doing consistently fairly well. I know they've t- tailored off a little bit in the year, new year. I think I think the, the thing that that, that hold, holds them back from a top four push is A, a terrible January where they didn't they, they did nothing, they just watched it go by. And B yeah. the fact that they're in it, they're in the advanced stage of the Europa League, and it's a it's 
they're loving it right now, aren't they? It's a fairy tale. So the distraction is going to go a little bit. And I dare say, with the focus heavily on that, that will affect some of the Premier League performance. I think it has to. I think they've done incredibly well to even be within a shout of Europe this season. I mean, I had them like 13th or something. My yeah. It's probably the worst one. To be fair, I think they've coped incredibly well. They've gone yeah. deep in the competition. I think, look, if West Ham finish eighth this season outside the European spots, it, if they get past Leon and have a good Europa League run, I think yeah. they'll all look back and go, look, it's pretty decent. But like you said, with, with January, it, it, it's very reminiscent of, of Newcastle and Ashley when we finished fifth. And yeah. we finished fifth that year, had a good run in the Europa League. We signed one player in the summer, Vernon Anita. We should have capitalised on that squad and pushed on. Mm. GSB don't want to do that. They, they, aren't, they aren't looking to build a European football side here. They're looking to no. build a team that's in the division every year. That's the sole objective for West Ham United. And until the ownership changes, that's going to be their remit, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Well, well summarised, to be fair. I mean, there's a lot, there's a big chunk in the middle that, of teams really and we might touch on those after because I know you've got a, an extensive one to 20 list but if we get to the other end now which is which is sort of because as I said there's a lot of teams going to be eyeing for sort of I think it's also at this stage very hard to sort of differentiate between 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th because it changes like the wind doesn't it really and, and that becomes very difficult yeah. and when teams aren't playing for anything some can maintain that standard some go on the jollies early so it's hard to predict but at the bottom very different landscape, so we're obviously juicy favorite part. Yeah, yeah. So relegation fodder uh, at the bottom of the table. There are probably six teams that could go down, and I, and I say Harry Newcastle probably aren't one of those six. You know, they are, they are, they're, they're the seventh bottom. I'm still a bit nervous after that Everton loss, but yeah. I'm I'm resided to it was a complete and utter one off, and we had a lot of games in a short space of time. Uh, yeah. well, I think I think we might be all right. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, yeah, there's a, the six teams there that could go down. Are, is there any certainties that are going down? Is there one certainty that's going to go down? Uh, Norwich, yeah. for me. Yes. Yeah. I think Dean Smith's done a good job, to be honest. Has he? It's, it's not a good side. No. It's a, mid -ta it's a mid table championship team. They, they got promoted with a stronger squad than yeah. what they've got now. Yeah, for them even beyond seventeen points, I think is an achievement. To be honest, I feel sorry for their fans. I, I I do like Norwich. They're 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 a good character for the Premier League. It's it's a yeah. shame that they don't have a a, a good crack at it, but that's the way that Delia Smith runs the club. And I don't think she's a bad owner. I think it no, she's, oh, she's actually no, yeah, you know, yeah. she's got the club's interest at heart. She's just not got a lot of money in the back yeah. pocket, really. Um, she could get some investors, like maybe get like Gordon Ramsay or you know some more chefs <laughs> yeah, on board. Yeah. <laughs> Gino De Campo. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. There you go. There you go. There you go. <laughs> get him in. Marco Pierre. Why? Well, get them all. Um, yeah, get them all. I think. Yeah, Nor Norwich is an interesting. Well, like you say, they did to lose Wendy at the start of the season. Terrible to lose him. Oliver Skip as well. Oliver own. Skip. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I don't know. Like I said it like that. I'm singing it like the, the song Oliver Twist, but by the rap yeah. star. I forgot what his name is. I never it? ever thought I'd hear Johnny Bentley reciting an RD lyric in my life. Is that what it is? There we go. Yeah. It's, good, it's a good song, though. Good song, though. Yeah. I like it. It's good. It's good. Oh, I can remember them two words. No, 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 no. Anyway, yeah, the music, music. I love music, but it's not my, the, remembering it. I've got the memory of a goldfish, honestly. Um, yeah, so. So yeah, it's what it's, it's one of those. I think I think you're right. Underinvestment, but they did actually spend quite a bit of money in the summer. But they brought 
they spent quite a bit of money on wide players, to be fair. And then Daniel Farker decided yeah, to go 5 3. Yeah. thought we'd do all right. But yeah. I, even Matthias Norman was pretty good. But Matthias Norman's not bad. He's not a bad player. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I think he could be actually a player who could be targeted by other teams near the bottom, possibly, or, or in that bottom half, maybe yeah. a rotor team. Solid, solid player, good progression, good progressive player on the ball. But yeah, receipt check coming in and it, it's just not worked. He did really well in the Bundesliga. That's not an uncommon tale that done really well in the Bundesliga. Josh Sargent as well. Oof, yeah, 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 yeah. As yeah. much as I like him, because I thought he was great after that. Very good game. goal, wasn't it? Yeah. He scored a scorpion kick. Yeah. His interview was great after the match. It's just yeah. it's not good enough, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think that's what it is, really. I think a mentality thing, I think a lack of investment, not or, or when the investment has been there, because it was in the summer, to be fair. They did spend the money. It came at the expense of losing the best player, and the players they brought in just haven't worked. So it's been misinvestment, if that's a word. I think it is. So it's not disinvest, definitely misinvestment. But yeah, Norwich bottom, not really a surprise. Second bottom, third bottom, Watford, Burnley now, and then Everton just above and Leeds. I mean, Brentford are the one really. Brentford sort of that Same win at Newcastle really. You think that you get thirty points and it's like nearly there I at mean, this stage. Yeah. How many? I mean, I, I actually said. Remember, we were doing our little relegation podcast with Oscar yeah. as well. I said. Would 30 points be enough? I don't think it will, but no. I, I think honestly think 33 will do it. No, I, 34, 35, I think maybe. Yeah. I, I think 35 guarantees it. Yeah. I think you might get away with 33. Yeah. Well, listen, I think I think with Brentford, it's that that Burnley win was massive for Brentford, really. I think Tony's started to find the goals again, albeit some of those were penalties. Three of those were penalties actually in, in the games against Norwich and Burnley, but he's been doing but he, he's really intense. It's not just his goals, it's his hold-up play, it's his, it's his link-up. He, he can His overall game is really, really solid. So even when he's not scoring, I think he's still a perfect asset for Brentford. And obviously Ericsson coming in does add that craft. I don't think he's the same player that he was uh, for, in, his, in his prime for Spurs, but he is a player who can left foot or right foot create things out of nothing. And we saw that against Burnley where he did a wonderful cross out of nowhere for Tony to head in the opener. So I think... They should be okay, but like a few have noticed, if their eyes just, you know, fall, fall, fall off or their wheels just sort of fall off because they think they've done it, then they could be in trouble because against Leicester they were pretty poor. So, and that was in the yeah. that was just after the Burnley game. They're not out of it just yet, but they've made a big stride with those wins against Norwich and Burnley. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good way to summarise. I think Brentford will be all right. I think nice little, nice little wave they're riding on now. Mm. Ericsson's a class above. He offers yeah. them so much more yeah. in terms of set pieces and you know that 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 cutting edge. I think they lacked. I think Norgard's excellent as well. Yeah, his stats are off the chart for a player. You know, we expected just to be a your standard Premier League midfielder. And it wouldn't yeah. surprise me if he got a bigger move in the summer. To be honest, yeah, and, yeah. And Tony, he, he guarantees your goals, albeit a lot of penalties. I, I, I think, to be honest, I think we'll go down next season, but yeah. they'll be all right this year. Yeah. So Leeds, Leeds is a bit of a different one. They're just below. They are well. They're on. They're on twenty nine points from thirty games. So just one point below Brentford. <laughs> I, to be honest, it's one of those. I was thinking, when, you know, when your hero Marcelo Bielsa, you said was the fifth best manager in the league, ended up departing. I couldn't help but feel a sense of irony from what your your comments on the podcast. But what I would say is that yep. um, it felt like. It felt like Burnley with Sean Dyche in a way in that relationship and what he's done for the club. It felt like 
Claudio Ranieri in Leicester for what he did with the club and, and, and the success he had. But I just, I just, I go back to when Ranieri won the title and he was adored and loved and, and deemed unsackable. Then he was sacked. Leicester's fortunes turned around. They stayed up when actually I think they probably would have gone down. I think Leicester fans at the time and Leicester journalists at the time had said Ranieri was probably taking the club down because he ran out of ideas. And Shakespeare came in, just a new voice, nothing special, got got them sort of fighting again. They got, got them competing again. I dare say, and Jesse March, who's come in, he's a solid coach. He didn't quite work for him at Leipzig, but he's a solid coach with good ideas. And I think all he's done, he's tweaked what Bielsa did to make them a little bit more, a little bit more sensible and streetwise defensively while not losing the desire to press and play football in the right way. He's just tweaked it so they're a little bit less gung-ho when they have to be a bit more organised. He's, he's, he's tweaked it slightly. And it seems to have worked. It seems to have worked. As good as Bielsa was, and he's a brilliant coach, I agree with you, to be fair. He's one of the best, he was one of the best in the league. Phenomenal coach. I think they did need a bit of a new voice just for the rest of this season, just to, just to sort of iron out a few of the issues that wouldn't have been ironed out before. And I think while they're not safe yet, because Bamford's now got an injury, Phillips on and off with his injuries, he's huge to them. I do think the change in voice has helped or will help to get a few points they might not have got under Bielsa. Well, I mean, it's absolutely yeah. helped and look, look, we're going to look back at the end of the season probably on, on them back-to-back wins. But like, let's, let's be real here. I mean, the win against Norwich, they sneaked it in the 95th minute. Yeah. Should be beating Norwich comfortably. Yeah. And the game against Wolves, a bit of a freak match, really. I guess they won the game. No, but no they didn't, Harry. It was it was 3 3. Oh, they did win. Yeah, it was. God. Yeah, they, they did. They did. They did. Well, I don't think it was 3 3. Yeah, no, they did. No, they did. no, it was, it was you know what? You know, it's quite it funny. It's quite funny. Yeah. I left that at 2 2 and I, I fell asleep. And I thought, oh, you know, it's one of those. They did well to come back around. Then I watched it again and Ailing had scored, didn't he? I thought, my God, where did that come from? Where did that come from? No. Yeah. You're right, Harry. It was it was a bit. But they've got winnable games like coming up. To be honest, I mean they've got Southampton at home, who well renowned for going on the beach early, and it seems on their recent mm. performances yeah. or already yeah. on their holidays. Yeah. Then they've got Watford away, where you yeah fancy them to get a result, especially if Phillips is back. Palace away, Palace might be on their holidays. To be honest, this is what happens near the end of the season. Then they've got City and Arsenal, which you expect them to get nothing from. Last yeah. two games at Brighton and Brentford. Yeah, more. Win- they've got winnable matches that they're going to pick up at least six points, and that will get them to thirty-five. That do you do you think though? Do you think that they would have won back-to-back games under Bielsa, or do you think those little tweaks that were made? gave them I mean to be fair in those games they did have moments where defensively they were a bit all over the place it was Norwich and Wolves did go down to 10 men but I'm thinking as well against the, the performance against Leicester where I thought they were outstanding they should have won by you know a fair few goals and they had really lost I actually thought there was a bit more of a discipline there in that sense I think they were a bit more disciplined against Norwich albeit Norwich and then they did concede late on you thought they'd lost it obviously 45 minutes against Wolves defensively abject but I do think there has been a little little shift. Nothing miraculous, just small things. Do you think they just still ha- carry this momentum under Bielsa? Do you think it would have been losses? What do you think? Hard to tell. It's hard to say because I mean, like that was such a weird match that was. Going. Nobody could have called that. I mean, would they have won that under Bielsa with the, the possibly? Ten Absolutely. Yeah. And I think they would have thumped Norwich, but they would have got beat five 0 off Leicester. Yeah. So it's that, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's impossible to say, but yeah, yeah like we said, them, them two wins are massive, and I think. You look at the quality at the bottom of the league, and you know the bottom, the current bottom three at the minute. 
are probably going to need to win four or five games to to yeah. knock any of yeah. you know the teams from Newcastle yeah. to you know, even Everton as well. They're going to need to win four or five games, and they've not done that all season. Yeah. So I think I think Leeds are going to be all right. Yeah, Lee, I think yeah, and just I think I think with Leeds, I think the Jesse March factor will probably see more of the games in the final final straight. Uh, you know, till the end of the season, yeah. we'll. See. I just suspect they'll pick up one or two points that maybe under Bielsa they might not have picked up just by doing it a little bit differently. So we'll have to see. Uh, next season's a whole different story there. It'll be interesting. Yeah, I mean, to see they're in a position now, Leeds, where they don't like. I don't know where it's on Daft. They don't need to win yeah. games. Just pick up a few little points here and there. And they're going to stay up. Yeah, they're on the home straight now. Yeah, they are. They are. They are. Okay, Everton. Everton in seventeen Ooh. now. Everton. This is this is this is where I think it becomes a real four horse race, unless Leeds or Brentford start to capitulate. Because Everton, it's it's interesting. I know they beat Newcastle, but it was so unconvincing, and then they lose four 0 to Crystal like, Palace. That, I mean, like I'm going to sound bitter here, but they were terrible. They were poor. They couldn't they couldn't string two passes together. No. I mean, Newcastle weren't great. No, it was it was like it was just it was a freak game in my eyes. Yeah, yeah. They weren't they weren't great. No, I think Calvert Lewin when he came on made a difference. Completely changed the game. Yeah. made a difference. And if they've got him back to the end of the season, they'll just about get over the line. Mm. But the football ain't great, and and Lampard's. Oh, I'm struggling with them to be honest. Yeah, I, I think I think what well, it was interesting because there was that day, wasn't the sort of round deadline day, January. Um, Lampard came in, Deli Ali came in, Danny Van der Beek came in. At the time, I thought. Oh, big move! This could go one of two ways. You've got Deli Ali. If you can get, recapture the form of Deli Ali from his from his prime a few years ago, what a signing! Gives them that creative spark that Gilfie Sigurdsson, who's obviously out for you know exterior reasons, his absence has left. Vanny van der Beek coming in, someone who can progress the ball forward and be de- quite dynamic. To be fair, Donny van der Beek's done okay in patches, but yeah, probably there was a bit more to be expected. And then Lampard coming in, young, progressive coach, and he's not Rafa Benitez. So from that perspective, I think Everton will fill with optimism on that day. But I, f- I felt like there was like a pendulum swing. It could go pretty good or pretty not too good. And to be honest, I think it's more on pretty not too good. Van der Beek, Probably the, the highlight of the three, albeit a bleak highlight, done okay, looked okay in patches, uh, tries, he works hard, he, he's quite tidy on the ball, but nothing special. I think that's what they need now, though, isn't it? Especially at home. Just yeah. Like Anthony Gordon, like I was so Brilliant. infuriated watching him, but he, he gives his all to be yeah. fair to him. He gets himself about, he gets yeah. the crowd up, and Everton aren't going to stay in the league on their away form. No. The only way they, they stay in the league this season is having Goodison Rock and, and having it in their advantage. I mean, if you look at them running, I mean... It's horrible, yeah. It's horrible Two key I mean. players for them, Harry. Like you say, Gordon, for me, reminds me a bit of Dwight McNeil in the sense that he's coming, young, exuberant. isn't he's scared. raw, isn't he? He isn't yeah. scared of anything. He's, he's a bit like, he's got he's got pace, he's got the, the confidence to take players on, can whip a decent ball, he has a decent shot. Nothing perfect, raw's the word, but got the exuberance to carry the goodies and crowd, to carry his teammate. Because to be honest, not there's not much pace in that team. There's not much drive, not much energy. It's not to a take. good team. No. It's not a good side. No. I mean, look at it on paper. I mean, you, it's, it's a good side. I should be looking for top 10, but yeah. something well, catastrophically wrong with, with yeah. Everton. I mean, yeah. when you look at their winnable games on paper. I mean, West Ham, they're not going to win. No. Burnley, you'd say, is a winnable game. Leicester at home, maybe a winnable game. Not on the basis of their performances at no. the minute, mind. Uh, then they've got Leicester away, which they'll not win. They've got Brentford at home. 
So you'd say they've probably got two or three winnable matches. Watford as well. Still got to play Watford yeah, at Vicarage Road. Well. So they've got three yeah. or four winnable matches, but yeah. are Everton going to win all four? No, no. no. And Calvert Lewin's big as well. I don't, I don't think with Calvert Lewin, it's not just the goals, it's the hold up play, it's yeah, the point of reference. Yeah, yeah. And Rich, it offers Richarlison to go out wide as well, where he's, yeah. he's much better as, yeah. as opposed to playing down the middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think with Everton, though, it's, it's interesting because it, it, to me, it looks like Everton, Burnley, Watford. And I don't think you can rule out Burnley yet because I think no. the game against Everton at Turf Moor is huge. If Burnley win that and then win Norwich, who everyone are beating at the moment, and two wins in a row, the whole picture changes. Albeit with those bottom four teams, I don't think I think Leeds and Brentford, like we say, it needs a bit more capitulation for them to fall back in. Although they're not out of it, I think they do seem a little bit away at the moment, a few steps away. I think, yeah, if, if Everton lose to Burnley, then and they don't beat Watford at Vicarage Road as well, which is a I think a game in Hamford, another game in Hamford for them actually. So if they don't win that and they don't beat Burnley, they are in big, 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 big trouble, like big trouble, seriously, because the games. Like you say, still United, still Arsenal, still got quite a few of the big guns. Still got to Liverpool as well. Liverpool, Anfield, which if they get beat like five six nil there, I mean the confidence is low already. I mean, yeah. look, you know, you, you know, you're going to lose going to Anfield, but if you go and get yeah. hammered, yeah, yeah, I think I think that so so from the Burnley perspective, Harry, I think the different. I, I would say with Everton, obviously individually, player for player, they've got the advantage in, in many areas. I th- I think. Obviously, the coach, I think Sean Dyche, has what has a big number over Frank Lampard. He's been here, he's done it, he's, he's seen adversity many, many times, and he's, and he's ridden over that adversity. Lampard came in with questions to prove, questions to answer, and, and critics to sort of bat away, and he hasn't really done that. Kevin's a bit of a blank slate, really, and he's really been put to the test. And so far, not too... I feel like he came in with a philosophy and an idea, quickly realised it was going to be unrealistic to develop that in such a short period with this team you know, where they are. And he's now sort of resorting to keeping organised and hoping that Gordon yeah. or Calvin can do something. I imagine Paul Clement's having quite a bit of an influence as part of his backroom staff. Yeah. Like he's probably having a big say. And obviously Duncan Ferguson's still part of that, that mm. set-up. So yeah. he'll, he'll know the remit of the squad. But yeah. you can't... No, you, you'd be daft to rule out Burnley. I mean, look, they do yeah. every season. I mean, to be honest, it would be a great escape this time yeah. around. Listen, especially after yeah. the last three games. But you have got winnable matches. You've got games in hand. And you win those games in hand, it's in your hands. Simple as that. Yeah, I, th- I think I, I think Burnley's season's defined on those two games against Everton and Norwich. However, then I say that, I was predicting these games. And I predicted, I actually think it could be two draws, which is which wouldn't be ideal. But then a few weeks later, there's a lot of games which you were just describing as teams on the beach. And those games are arguably easier. Yeah. I mean, than, you've, got, the games you've, got South, you I mean you've got Southampton, you've got Villa, second last game of the season. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You've, even West Ham. I know they're still mm. fighting for Europe, but yeah, there is there's matches there you can win. And West Ham is just on the Burnley. Are just I mean, I watched them against Brentford. Yeah, awful. Yeah, yeah. If you play like that, you, you're going down. Right? Yeah, yeah. I th- I think it's an interesting one with Burnley. I think I think three reasons as to why Burnley are the way they are. Under investment for many years under the previous ownership. Major main reason probably sixty percent really of that is down to that i'd say 20 percent for going with 60 percent for the ownership maybe 70 percent for the previous ownership under investment actually 70 percent for that and i'll say 15 each 15 for the current ownership with january that i felt was a little bit of a missed opportunity despite getting veghorst in everyone knew that the all deal really had to happen the all and it and 
It didn't. And he was left with egg on his face, Alan Pace, and he had no answer to it. Just to have Veg Horsting wasn't really enough. It was like like for like with Wood. And before Wood went, even the remit was one or two players. So in theory, nothing happened. Well, Veg Horst came in and he has done relatively well. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that, like, what's 10 million when you get relegated? Exactly. Exactly. It felt mean? like it felt like two or three was a minimum. And I feel like Alan Pace did miss the boat there, but it's tough to be too critical because he had a fantastic summer window. One of the it's best in January. Yeah. Look how hard Newcastle tried. I mean, with a, essentially an unlimited transfer budget. Yeah. I mean, yes, I, they spent 90 million, but they still paid 25 million for Wood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think he should Burnley have... don't have that luxury, do they? No, of looking no. gonna go and splash. 25 million on a midfielder that's worth yeah paying. no I, I i do th- yeah no you're absolutely right i do think that there has to be a little bit of blame there because of how long it took in certain areas i think it could have been a little bit more savvy but yeah i'm only putting 15 percent on him because of that reason perhaps you know uh yeah I, because of the reason you just alluded to and then the other 15 percent, i'd probably say sean dyke himself really you know no one's without criticism and sean dyke himself has had well this current squad at the moment three very very good center halves Connor Roberts came in as a wing-back. Many people have called for a system with wing-backs. When the going got tough with 4-4-2, it became predictable. It arguably still is. A three-at-the-back system with wing-backs would offer some kind of, on paper, it looks like getting the best out of all the, the best players within the squad. On paper, many people have said it. Seems reluctant to even to entertain the idea, uh, even when results aren't coming. Also, the, re- the recent admission of Jack Cork is a bit bizarre, seeing as he was in that double pivot for the games where Burnley were building momentum and then all of a sudden came out of that double pivot for Ashley Westwood. Josh Brownhill's lost his license to go forward and it has a, and, it, and it's had a bit of an effect. So, yeah, I think some of Sean Dyche's tactical decisions and, and, and team selections have certainly played their part. No one's without criticism and, and as, good, as good as Sean Dyche has done over the years, I think this season there have been a few moments where you think, OK, there are a few options there and you're not choosing them. So, yeah, but I, again, we, we it's not a straight shoot. How many to wins do Burnley need to stay up? Realistically, I think four and a few draws, but yeah. you're going to have to rely on other teams completely falling off. Yeah, I would go, I'd go four or yeah, four or three and maybe four. Yeah, no, that's a really And how many have you won all season? Three, yeah, I, I go, yeah, I know, I know, to be fair. I think it's different though, isn't it? When you enter the stage of the season, like we just talked about teams on the beach, blah, 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 blah. There's a different kettle. It's a different kettle of fish. You look at Everton, most of those teams are fighting at the top end and then the ones they should be winning are actually teams that fight at the bottom end. They don't play many teams that are in the middle. No. So, that, play for, yeah. so that's going to be quite hard for them. We do also have to touch on Watford actually, who are actually 18th. Yeah. They've, they've played. I think with Watford, it's interesting because... It's very odd the sense that Roy Hodgson's coming. He's tried to make them better defensively. They're still rubbish defensively for the most part. Um, but yeah, I still give them a bit better chance now than when they were under Claudio Ranieri's management, which I'm not quite sure why. Maybe because I think, you know, the Roy, Roy Hodgson can grind out one or two board roles. Emmanuel Dennis is a player that creates individual moments of magic. So maybe, maybe. I can see a little bit of a glimmer there, but to be honest, I think there's too much wrong at that club for them to keep, you know, to, to push yeah. out of this mess. They're a bit like Everton, but with even with less quality. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I, I, there's no dominant. Ca- I mean, Dennis is, a, is, a, is actually been very good this season, but uh, apparently a bit boring. They've missed Saw a lot, haven't they? Yeah, of course. I mean, he makes yeah, yeah. them tick. He's, the, he's yeah. the difference maker for them. I mean, they were at the bottom three for the majority of the first part of the season. 
they yeah. lost him coupled with Afcon and that sort of thing. It really did cripple yeah. them. Yeah, and it's it's not a good squad. I mean, to be honest, I think they've done all right in January because I think Hassan Kamara is a really really good left. Back. Yeah, yeah, and Kayembe has done okay in midfield, but yeah. just not enough quality no. with the running they've got. I think it's you know they've got a couple of teams on the beach at the end of the season, Leicester and, and Palace, but they need to be winning three four games, and these teams haven't won even that already after the first thirty matches. So to ask for them to go and win that now is a is a tough ask. But it, it can all change. I mean, football's yeah. crazy. Man. I mean, they play, they play Burnley, they play Leeds, they play Everton. That, that's, or Palace, yeah. So there's three six-pointers there. Do they have the... They're also not very good at Vicarage Road, but do they have the ability to sort of win that? I'm not, I'm not too sure. I mean, arguably, you'd say nil-nil, one or two of those. You know, he sort of does set up... When he sets up in his defensive shape, that often limits the forwards uh, at Watford. But yeah, I don't think it's really on Hodgson. I don't think Hodgson's necessarily the... the Saviour, but I don't think many people really had had him as, as much of a saviour. Just a maybe last chance saloon home. Must be awful being a Watford fan because there's just no, yeah. there's just nothing like why yeah. sacking managers like every single like week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. Getting relegated all the time and coming yeah. up. It's yeah. the same old like. Yeah. Get some structure and order about your club. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not. It's not. It's not good at all. It's not good. It's not ideal. It's not. You know, they're probably going to go down this season. Uh, so Norwich, Watford. Who is it, Harry? Is it Burnley, Everton, Leeds? Brentford. I've got yeah. I think I was a pretty similar to be honest. I've got uh, Brentford fifteenth, Leeds sixteenth, Everton seventeenth, Burnley eighteenth. I've got Watford and Norwich. Honestly, yeah, yeah I, I I would say Burnley eighteenth now. Honestly, I would. With the games I, in hand, I would yeah. say so. Yeah. Yeah, I I do think a lot. I think the Burnley Everton game is really big, and I think if Burnley beat Everton and beat Norwich, I think my com- my opinion completely changes. However, like yeah. I just said before. I'm actually thinking one-one with Everton or nil-nil with Everton, one-one with Norwich. So I, I, I mean, I if you beat Everton, you put them in a whole load of trouble. I mean, they're in massive danger now, but psychologically, going to Turkey will get beat. Your biggest relegation rival. Well, it's funny because everyone seems to say it's the biggest game of the season every time one of these comes up. I think this one genuinely is because it's one of yeah. Everton's only winnable games in, in in a run that's really really horrible and, and it's, it's probably one of the only teams in the current bottom three you can still see getting out of it it's no disrespect yeah. to Watford I just think Burnley have that something about them where yeah it can grind a game out and win a match which you can't yeah. say about Watford because they just concede too many goals yeah yeah though the, they did win against Villa but yeah that was that was a bit of a fluke really because Villa missed a lot of chances yeah I think I think I, I at present I'm also going Burnley but Again, those two, Everton and Norwich, really big, really, really big games. And then there's a lot of on the beach teams. So I yeah, don't think you got top 10. Who've you got? Obviously, we have yeah. the top eight, which is obviously West yeah. Ham Wolves. I've gone Villa and Leicester. Have you gone the same? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Wol- Wolves, Villa. Yeah. Like, uh, could be Palace, to be fair. Pa- I think Palace maybe could take Villa, to be fair. They could. I've got Villa ninth, to be honest. Yeah. I if just, it, yeah. I think Leicester's also coming on a bit now. I think after the whole is Brendan Rodgers going, is he not going? It seems like he's not going. So I feel like that's maybe giving a bit of calm around the camp. I think they started to find some form in the conference yeah, league. Got decent games as well. Oh, yeah, I mean, really got a nice run in. I mean, they, they play Palace, Newcastle, mm. Everton, yeah. Villa, Watford, yeah. Le- Everton again, and Southampton. Yeah, so, yeah. Honest, on review. Yeah, I mean they could probably still get eight. To be honest, no, yeah. no not get eight. Definitely. No, like Leicester, I, I, I think there was a, a little bit of entitlement. You know, when everyone was saying Rogers out, Rogers out, I was thinking, yeah, but you know, where do, where should Leicester be? Who do you, who do you yeah. guess? Yeah, like we said, fifth. I said fifth 
uh, best manager in the league. I do think that. I think he's a way off the top four, but I think he's still a very solid manager, albeit he has that th- third season syndrome, but I think he's a very solid manager. And I just think that, yeah, sometimes you've got to ride out that wave of disappointment. They are doing okay now in the Conference League, which is no which is no competition to be sniffed at. They, you know, they don't have lots of European pedigree to Leicester. So I, I think if they can, if they won the Conference League, that'd be brilliant for them, for that football club. And I think, yeah, next summer, we'd allow some of the players who maybe have lost the way bringing some new ones um, and keep going. Yeah. I, I, I think, I think Rogers isn't without his flaws, but yeah, I think keep hold of him. Uh, and like you say, who, everyone goes Graham Potter, but look at Brighton there. Look at Brighton. It's an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, yeah. they've lost like six or seven on yeah. the spin. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and people, people call about, it's like I said before, people call Potter and my man, Ralph Hasenhutl as well, who I do, who I do like very much. It's like a slight preface over Potter, but Rogers has done it at the big clubs and, he, and, he, and he's done it and he has done it for Leicester. So I think, yeah, a bit of loyalty on that front and, and, and keep hold of him. But yeah, no, I, th- I think Harry, to be honest with you, the, the, the rest in the, in the middle is a bit of a minefield. Everyone's everywhere. Newcastle will be all right. Brighton will be okay, thankfully, because of their form at the, the first half of the season. Same with Brentford as well in terms yeah. of they, they got the points yeah. on the board early, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there you go. There you go. That's the sort of definitive top and bottom. And then everyone else is just somewhere in between. Be sure to uh, give us a subscribe, give us a like review if you want to do that kind of thing. Uh, it used to be weekly. It's now monthly. So it's even more like precious that you uh, that you do this, that you listen, that you you do all the all the niceties on on your podcasting platform because it does boost the reach of this podcast. It's a very nice thing to read some nice reviews if, if they do pop up. And yeah, um, until next month, which will probably be a team of the season special uh, with all your favourite players who've done, been doing really well this season mentioned. Until then, it's a, it's a goodbye from me and I think it's a goodbye from Harry too. Yep, goodbye. Thank you all for listening. Mm. Take care, stay safe and um, yeah, stay tuned for the next one, which will be in sometime in April.